0: The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everybody, it's Pastor Doug Bursch, and this is the Friday edition of the Fairly Spiritual show. How are you doing this week? You all right? Well, let's make the best of the next half hour. Sin divides us. It divides marriages, families, churches, nations, the world— we're going to look at how sin divides us and how God has called us to unite through the cross of Jesus Christ. We'll look at the power of the gospel and the power of sin to divide us from pursuing our best on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. It is the Friday edition of the Fairly Spiritual Show. Twice a week, we bring you this show, Wednesday, just a podcast. On Fridays, we're on the radio on KCIS, and I'm so glad you're listening, whether it's live or podcast form. Uh, Hey, you can contact me now through radio. Uh, Did I just say radio? No, you can't contact me through radio. You can yell at the radio, but it's not going to do any good. But you can contact me uh, through this phone number. 360-818-4513 360 818 4513 and give feedback for the show. That's 360 818 4513. And I got this number because a couple of weeks ago, uh, after church, uh, a volunteer in our church, dear sweet lady, comes to me and she's like, This woman called the phone and she said uh, terrible things about you and your radio show. <laughs> and I was like, Welcome to radio. Uh, somebody had tracked me down and wanted to just spend time telling me what they didn't like about this show. the show. The funny thing is uh, this woman in our church, she's like, well, well, the call was anonymous and it was just terrible. So I just deleted it. I didn't want you to listen to that. That's just terrible. And so I thought that was very sweet. I also don't want to have my church volunteers have to be, uh, have to listen to that kind of stuff. So I got, I got a phone number Where people can text. You can text the show and give feedback, or you can call. And uh, I'd love for you to do that. 360 818 4513. That's 360 818 4513. You can also, of course, go to fairlyspiritual.org and find out about past shows. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And I'd love for you to pick up this book, The Community of God A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. I'm holding it in my hand as I speak. The Community of God, because on Fridays, I'm dealing with uh, topics from this book, and one of the topics in this book is how sin divides community, and that's what we're going to address today, that sin immediately divides us. And I thought it'd be good to look at this, that you might be struggling in some relationships, and maybe as we look at these relationships and these the divided reality of your relationships, you'll maybe be able to realize what's wrong. And so again, uh, this is from the book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, where I focus in on that our life's not supposed to be about the individual pixel, but the entire picture that God is painting. That so often we fo- focus in on just the individual area that is our life, and our perspective, and our needs, and our wants, and God wants us to focus in on the much larger picture of what He's doing in the entire community that God came to Abraham and told Abraham that he would make Abraham into a great nation that would bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth. And that's what we're called to be, is to be a part of that great nation. Well, last Friday, I talked about the fact that we were created human through community, that it was not good for Adam to be alone, so God divided Adam and made two, made Adam and Eve, and that Adam could stand before Eve and say, "'You are bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, together we're one.'" that Adam understood and Eve understood, that to be fully human, we need to be in community. This is more than just marriage. This is the concept that humans, to be fully one, need to have someone else in their life. For us to understand God and God's love, we need to exist outside of individuality, but in community. But if you follow the narration or the narrative of Genesis a little farther, immediately after Adam and Eve have existed for what, just a couple days, they're like, hey, we got this thing figured out. God, we know you're an eternal God and all, but we know how to live our lives. So instead of listening to God, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they need that knowledge in order to make their own decisions. They've been made wonderfully. They've been made in the image of God to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion. But the one thing they don't have is the knowledge to be able to use now their own created authority for their own purposes. So they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin and evil enters the world. And, and this is just where I want to pick up the narrative for what immediately happens when sin enters the world. When sin enters the world, community is divided. A sign that you are living a life of sin or a life separated from God is the divisiveness that occurs in the relationships around you. And you see this in Genesis 3.11, that after Adam and Eve have sinned against God, you know God comes to talk to Adam and basically asks Adam, you know, why are you hide- hiding? Why are you naked and ashamed? What's going on here? And uh, God says, have you eaten of the tree? This is in verse, this is chapter three, verse 11. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And here's Adam's response. Adam says, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Now I want you to listen to this language and understand how this language helps us look at what sin does to every relationship. Before sin enters the world, when Eve is created, what does Adam do? Adam sees Eve and he says, You are bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That is oneness language. That is, we're, we're together. Like, I, I can't exist as one person outside of you. When, when things are going well, when we are in right relationship with God, when we are in right relationship with others, we see people as needed. We need people in our life, and we see the people entrusted to our care as bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Together we're one. I can't go it alone. I can't do it alone. I need this community to be fully human, to fully understand God's love, to fully express God's love in the world, to fully do this thing which is called life. So that's what's li- what life is like before sin enters the world. Now look what happens immediately. It's almost comical. Of course, it's not. It's incredibly tragic. But it's almost comical. What happens immediately after sin enters the world? Adam goes... This woman you put here with me, she gave me this to eat. If ever you had distancing language, this is men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Adam's like, I was doing fine on my own, and you put some woman here with me, and if she just wasn't here, I'd be great. This is what sin does. Sin immediately dehumanizes our relationships and distances our relationships. Where Adam discounts eve's existence as eve should not even be in my life the problem with my life is not my sin against you god but the problem with my life is that you even put me in community if i was just left alone i'd be fine this woman you put here with me if she wasn't in the picture i'd be fine now this is something i'd like you to look at i'm trying to look at it as well when sin enters our life or when we're in not in right relationship with god immediately we begin to use this distancing language. It happens in broken marriages. Broken marriages begin to talk like this. My friends and your friends. My wants and your wants. My ways and your ways. The individuals begin to talk about their individuality against the other person's individuality. They'll talk like this. Uh, Your kid will come to you and complain about something and you'll say, well, you know, mom wants to do that. And you know how mom is, but I want to do this. they talk in my ideas versus mom's ideas or my ideas versus dad's ideas. It's us, them language. It's distancing language. It's the kind of language you hear when two people are complaining about their spouses when they're talking at Starbucks. I think it's illegal to talk about your own faults when you meet with someone at Starbucks, because whenever I'm there, it just seems like people are talking about someone else's faults and someone else's problems. But it's that kind of language. It's, you know, I'm doing fine on my own, but the problem is his friends, his stuff, his ideas, his hobbies. People are saying, you're saying his too much. Let's go to the other side. Her friends, her stuff, her expectations, her hobbies, her wants, her needs. When things are broken, we immediately go to this us-them language. When we're in right relationship with God, we see the person or the persons that God has entrusted to our life, whether it's our spouse or our kids or our friends or family members. We see them as extensions of us, in the sense that their health is our health, and and, and goodness for them is goodness for us, so that we can look at them and say. You're bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Together we're one, and you begin to speak in oneness language. This is our family. This is our choice. These are our hobbies. These are our friends. This is what we like to do. This is what we believe. This is the direction we are moving together. You begin to talk in the we and the us not the yours and mine. Think about that for a second. What kind of language are you using? Are you using divided language? Are you talking about, it, man, if she just didn't do that, and if he just didn't do that, what kind of language are you using? How is that reflected? Is it us language or is it you and me? We're going to talk more about this, but now a quick break. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I so much appreciate your support. We're not gonna be able to stay on the air unless we get some more donations. Uh, We just need some donations. So go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate. Whether it's $25, $50, or more, $100, whatever, that will keep the show on the air. If not, we'll do a few more shows and we're off the air. That's just how it is. Please donate, it matters. Go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today. Also, call the show. 360-818-4513, you can text us at this number as well, 360-818-4513. You can't donate through the number, but you can give feedback, 360-818-4513. Okay, on today's show we're talking about how sin immediately divides us. It divides relationships, and we saw that with Adam and Eve from the beginning, right? Immediately when sin enters the equation, Adam is like, man, this woman you put here with me. If she just wasn't around, I wouldn't have a problem. Sin does not only divide marriages, it also divides families. If you look at the next story, what's the next big relational story uh, in the Bible after Adam and Eve? You have Cain and Abel. And with the story of Cain and Abel, both Cain and Abel give God an offering. And basically, they're two different offerings. It says that Abel gives God an offering of the fat portion. And when we hear fat portion, we're like, that's disgusting. That's disgusting. But in this culture, fat portion would be the choicest meat, the best portion. That's where a translation, a literal translation, versus a translation that maybe you understood, uh, one that you maybe understood would say, uh, Abel gave the best portion. But in some of our translations, it just says fat portion, and we're like, gross. But for God, God understood that Abel was giving the best to him. Cain, on the other hand, just gave God something. When you read in the context, he just gave him something. Not the best, just something. And so God uh, came to Cain and basically did not accept his offering because the offering was meaningless. The only reason to give an offering would be to show your allegiance. The offering is ultimately a prayer, and Abel's prayer, and Abel's understanding was, God, I know you've given me everything, so I can give you my best, knowing that you will provide. His offering was aligning himself with his created purpose. I know I come from you. I know fruitfulness comes from you. I can give you my best because I know that every good and perfect thing comes from you. Already Cain, on the other hand, is like, I don't know if I trust you. I got to keep things for myself. You're just something in my life. And so God comes to Cain and he says, you know, sin is crouching. In fact, it says this in Genesis 4:7. God says, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. See, God comes to Cain and he says, the reason I don't accept your offering is because it's not an offering. It's just a religious thing you're doing. You don't even understand why you're giving an offering. You're just doing something, maybe because Abel did something. But the purpose of giving your best is to show what's in your heart. And what's in your heart right now is you don't really trust me. You don't really believe that I'm your provision. You've already separated yourself from me, and you're using your giftings to serve yourself. And God says to Cain, basically, this is going to go poorly for you because sin is ready to devour you. If you align yourself with me, you'll do well. But if you don't align yourself with me, it will immediately result in the devouring of self. Now, it's interesting. How does the devouring of self occur in Cain's life? Cain's self is devoured in this way. He's devoured by killing his brother. God warns Cain that sin is ready to devour him, but the expression of that sin becomes that Cain devours his brother, which shows you that the Bible really doesn't see a distinction between sinning against a brother and sinning against ourselves. When Cain murders Abel, he is, in a sense, devouring himself. He's devouring the one. He's harming his reason for existing. Abel, Cain is his brother's keeper, and Abel is an extension of him. And by Cain killing Abel, he's basically killing a part of himself. It makes no sense. It's unimaginable. When sin enters the world, when we find ourselves in broken relationship with God, immediately it harms our relationships with others. And we need to recognize this. Sometimes we say, oh, this world is falling apart and unimaginable sins are occurring. When we see mass murders, we think that is unimaginable. And I, I sometimes think about that word when we say unimaginable, or senseless. We'll say it's senseless. That was a senseless killing that a stranger would kill a bunch of other strangers. Isn't it senseless that a brother would kill a brother? Isn't that unimaginable? that someone who was raised with someone would have such disinterest that they would murder their own flesh and blood? Sin has so much corrupted our world that at some level we think it's uh, imaginable or sensible that a brother would kill a brother, or that a spouse would kill a spouse, or that we would do great harm to the people we know, and yet the things that seem senseless are when strangers kill strangers. That's the problem with sin. When sin enters the world, it immediately devours and destroys our most close relationships. And and in in a very real way, it immediately puts us in a place where we become devouring. Sin not only creates divided language in our relationships, but sin also makes it so we're jealous. Cain was jealous of Abel, and Cain began to pick Abel apart. And instead of giving God a better offering, he focused in on Abel's offering. A sign that you're not in a good place is you're spending a lot of your time criticizing others. A sign you're not in a good place with God is you're judging the offerings of others. You're picking apart your friendships. You're picking apart the people around you. You're spending all your time with lists of what others are doing wrong and what others need to do for you. And if this person was just this way, and if that person was just that way, and you spend your time in this jealousy... In this anger. It can express itself as violence. It can express itself as detachment. You can separate yourself from the individual, or you can devour that individual. We begin to pick each other apart. We begin to look at every problem and say, if they, you know, if just if Abel was just different, if Abel just did this, if I could just get their witness to be different, then I'd be okay. Cain believed that his dissatisfaction came from Abel. And I found this to be the case, that when you're not right with God, you'll begin to devour the people around you. When I'm not right with God, I'll begin to devour the people around me. I'll become jealous. I'll become bitter. And you can just see that. If you're spending your time with lists of wrongs, if if you're finding more and more in kind of this, oh, everybody's against me, and woe is me, and those... If you're in that place, it's almost always a sign that you've lost your connection with God. When relationship with God is broken, or severed, or wounded, immediately we begin to wound those He's entrusted to our care. Sin not only affects the individual, the marriage, the family... But sin affects nations as well. Sin makes it us against them. Sin tears us into groups, divisive groups. Sin, just as when we are one, we see each other as we need to be together to be whole and to be right, and when we are broken, we see them as if you just didn't put these people with us, we'd be fine. That's what sin does to a nation as well. I talk a bit about this in the book, but a partisan spirit is a lot like that, right? Sin does this. Sin says, you know, if we just didn't have those immigrants around, we'd be fine. If we just didn't have that other race in our neighborhood, we'd be fine. If we just didn't have that other, you know, economic group, we'd be fine. If we just didn't have that other ethnic group, we'd be fine. It's us and them. If it was just Republicans and not Democrats, then we'd be fine. Sin begins to see us and them and devour them for the sake of us. When we're right with God, we begin to see every other person as made in the image of God and needing love. Sin not only divides nations, but it divides the world. You know, God didn't make these borders that we made. God is not an American. God doesn't care any more about America than he cares about Guatemala, and he doesn't care any more about documented citizens than he does undocumented citizens. In fact, the scripture says that God's heart is for the poor. God's heart is for the widow. God's heart is for the orphan. And God's heart is for the foreigners. When we're close to God, when we see someone different than us, we don't try to hurt them and harm them and distance ourselves from them. We try to find a way for us to be one. We try to find a way to truly find a sense of family and our relationship, because Abraham was called to be a blessing to the rest of the people on the face of the earth, and that's our assignment as well. And so when the rest of the people on the face of the earth show up at our doorstep, it's our job to be a blessing to them. That's the mandate of the promise God gave to Abraham. It's the mandate of the cross. It's the mandate for every Christian. It's not just the mandate. It's why we were created. But when sin enters the world and when sin enters relationships, we are divisive and we are devouring. We say, oh, this world would just be fine if I didn't have that group around. If those people just weren't around, we'd be fine. If they just stay with their own kind, we'd be fine. If they just leave us alone, we'd be fine. If we could just win and they'd lose and go away, we'd be fine. That us and them mentality is a satanic mentality. It's a death mentality. It's the opposite of the gospel. Sin divides, but God unites. Sin divides, but God unites. Where are you allowing sin to divide you? Are you using language that's divisive? In your marriage, is it your stuff and my stuff, and your ways and my ways, and... Your friends and my friends and your time and my time and your ways and my ways. And is it a bunch of negotiations about who gets their way? Maybe it's time to start learning our stuff, our time, our friends, our hobbies, our life. If you're not moving together, you got a problem. When it comes to your, your family, when it comes to your kids, Is it a divisive, devouring family? Or do you truly see each other as bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh? Is it a a bickering, angry, divisive environment? Or are you truly uniting on the love of God and seeing each other as extensions of one another? Whenever this dividing and devouringness occurs, it's a sign we're not right with God. John says the sign that you've been brought from death to life is you love your brother. So that the fact that we're not loving our brother, it's a sign that we're allowing death to rule in our lives. For our nation, are you moving in a trajectory that embraces and loves those who are different from you? Are you moving in a trajectory of us and them and these people you put here? Are these people who invaded our space? And do you have a worldview? Because clearly God does not work on the timetable of America. He works on the timetable of the world, and he loves every person in this world as much as he loves America. Do you see it in that those terms? Or just us against the world. It's never America first. It's always God first and his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven first and foremost. Sin divides, but God unites. What will you allow to happen in your life? Will God unite you or will sin divide you? Hey, thanks for listening to today's show. I appreciate it greatly. If there's anything you liked about today's show, feel free to give me some feedback. Call 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. If you want this show to stay on the air, I need you to donate. I don't have this large church behind me donating. This is completely completely. This is completely dependent upon your willingness to support us. So go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate today. Most importantly, make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He loves you dearly. I'll see you later. Enough.